chapter twenty six of ardath by marie corelli this librivox recording is in the public domain the priest zell as he uttered the last word the sound of an approaching light step disturbed the silence it was one of the young girls of the household a dark haughty-looking beauty whom theos remembered to have seen in the palace hall when he first arrived lying indolently among cushions and playing with a tame bird which flew to and fro at her beckoning she advanced now with an almost imperial stateliness her salute to saluma was grateful yet scarcely submissive while he turning eagerly toward her seemed gladdened and relieved at her appearance his face assuming a gratified expression like that of a child who having broken one toy is easily consoled with another welcome irenia he exclaimed gaily thou art the very bitter sweetness i desire thy naughty pout and coldly mutinous eyes are pleasing contrasts to the over-languid heat and brightness of the day what news hast thou my sweet is there fresh havoc in the city more deaths more troublous tidings nay then hold thy peace for thou art not a fit messenger of woe thou art much too fair irenia's red lips curled disdainfully the naughty pout was plainly visible my lord is pleased to flatter his slave she said with a touch of scorn in her musical accents certes of ill news there is more than enough and evil rumours have never been lacking these many months as my lord would have known had he deigned to listen to the common talk of those who are not poets but merely sad and suffering men nevertheless though i may think i speak not at all of matters such as these and for my present errand tis but to say that a priest of the inner temple waits without desirous of instant speech with the most illustrious saluma a priest of the inner temple echoed the laureate wonderingly by my faith a most unwelcome visitor what business can he have with me nay that i know not responded irenia calmly he hath come hither so he bade me say by command of the absolute authority saluma's face flushed and he looked annoyed then taking theos by the arm he turned away from the terrace and re-entered his apartment where he flung himself full length on his couch pillowing his handsome head against a fold of glossy leopard skin which formed a most becoming background for the soft dark oval beauty of his features sit thee down my friend he said glancing smilingly at theos and signing to him to take possession of a luxurious lounge-chair near him if we must needs receive this sanctified professor of many hypocrisies we will do it with suitable indifference and ease wilt thou stay here with us irenia he added stretching out one arm and catching the maiden round the waist in spite of her attempted resistance or art thou in a froward mood and wilt thou go thine own proud way without so much as a consoling kiss from saluma irenia looked full at him a repressed anger blazing in her large black eyes let my lord save his kisses for those who value them she said contemptuously twere pity he should waste them upon me to whom they are unmeaning and therefore all unwelcome he laughed heartily and instantly loosened her from his embrace off off with thee sweet virtue fairest prude he cried still laughing live out thy life and thou wilt empty of love or passion count the years as they slip by leaving thee each day less lovely and less fit for pleasure grow old and on the brink of death look back poor child and see the glory thou hast missed and left behind thee the light of love and youth that once departed can dawn again no more 
and lifting himself slightly from his cushions he kissed his hand playfully to the girl who as though suddenly overcome by a sort of vague regret still lingered gazing at him while a faint colour crept through her cheeks like the deepening hue on the leaves of an opening rose saluma saw her hesitation and his face grew yet more radiant with malicious mirth hence hence serenia he exclaimed escape temptation quickly while thou mayest support thy virgin pride in peace thou shalt never say again saluma's kisses are unwelcome the poet's touch shall never wrong or sanctify thy name thou art safe from me as pillared icicles in everlasting snow dear little one be happy without love if that be possible nevertheless take heed thou do not weakly clamour in the after years for once rejected joy now bid yon waiting priest attend me tell him i can but spare a few brief moments audience irenia's head drooped theo saw tears in her eyes but she managed to restrain them and with something of a defiant air she made her formal obeisance and withdrew she did not return again but a page appeared instead ushering in with ceremonious civility a tall personage clad in flowing white robes and muffled up to the eyes in a mantle of silver tissue a majestic mysterious solemn-looking individual who pausing on the threshold of the apartment described a circle in the air with a small staff he carried and said in monotonous accents by the going in and passing out of the sun through the gates of the east and the gates of the west by the vulture of gold and white lotus and the countless virtues of nagaya may peace dwell in this house for ever agreed to with all my heart responded saluma carelessly looking up from his couch but making no attempt to rise peace is an excellent thing most holy father excellent returned the priest slowly advancing and undoing his mantle so that his face became fully visible so truly excellent indeed that at times it is needful to make war in order to ensure it he sat down as he spoke in a chair which was placed for him at saluma's bidding by the page who had ushered him in and he maintained a grave silence till that youthful servitor had departed theos meanwhile studied his countenance with some curiosity it was so strangely impassive yet at the same time so full of distinctly marked intellectual power the features were handsome but also singularly repulsive they were rendered in a certain degree dignified by a full dark beard which however failed entirely to conceal the receding chin and compressed cruel mouth the eyes were keen and crafty and very clear the forehead was high and intelligent and deeply furrowed with lines that seemed to be the result of much pondering over close and cunning calculation rather than the marks of profound and selfish and ennobling thought the page having left the room solomon began the conversation to what unexpected cause most righteous sir am i indebted for the honour of this present visit methinks i recognise the countenance of the famous zell the high priest of the sacrificial altar if so tis marvellous so great a man should venture forth alone and unattended to the house of one who loves not priestly company and who hath at best for all professors of religion a somewhat indifferent welcome the priest smiled coldly most rightly dost thou speak saluma he answered his measured metallic voice seeming to strike a wave of chilling discord through the air and most frankly hast thou thus declared one of thy many deficiencies atheist as thou art and to that manner born thou art in very deed outside the pale of all religious teaching and consolement nevertheless there is much gentle mercy shown thee by the virgin priestess of nagaya here he solemnly bent his head and made the rapid sign of a circle on his breast who knowing thy great genius doth ever strive with thoughtful zeal to draw thee closely within the saving silver veil 
yet it is possible that even her patience with thy sins may tire at last wherefore while there is time offer due penance to the offended gods and humble thy stiff heart before the holy maid lest she expel thee from her sight for ever he paused a satirical half-amused smile hovered round saluma's delicate mouth his eyes flashed all this is the mere common rhetoric of the temple craft he said indolently why not goodzell give plainer utterance to thine errand we know each other's fathers well enough to spare formalities lycia has sent thee hither what then what says the beauteous virgin to her willing slave an undertone of mockery rang through the languid silvery sweetness of his accents and the priest's dark brows knitted in an irritated frown thou art over flippant of speech saluma he observed austerely take heed thou be not snared into misfortune by the glibness of thy tongue thou dost speak of the chaste lycia with unseemly lightness learn to be reverent and so shalt thou be wiser saluma laughed and settled himself more easily on his couch turning in such a manner as to look the stately zeal full in the face they exchanged one glance expressive as it seemed of some mutual secret understanding for the priest coughed as though he were embarrassed and stroked his beard deliberately with one hand in an endeavour to hide the strange smile that despite his efforts to conceal it visibly lightened his cold eyes to a sudden tigerish brilliancy the mission with which i am charged he resumed presently is to thee chief laureate of the realm and runs as followeth whereas thou hast of late avoided many days of public service in the temple so that those among the people who admire thee follow thine ill example and absent themselves also with equal readiness the priestess undefiled the noble lycia doth to-night command thy presence as a duty not to be foregone therefore come thou and take thy part in the great sacrifice for these late tumults and disaster in the city notably the perplexing downfall of the obelisk have caused all hearts to fail and sink for very fear the river darkens in its crimson hue each hour by passing hour strange noises have been heard athwart the sky and in the deeper underground and all these drear unwanted things are so many cogent reasons where we should in solemn unison implore the favour of nagaya and the gods whereby further catastrophes may be perchance averted moreover for motives of most urgent state policy it is advisable that all who hold place dignity and renown within the city should this night be seen as fervent supplicants before the sacred shrine so may much threatening rebellion be appeased and order be restored out of impending confusion such is the message i am bidden to convey to thee furthermore i am required to bear back again to the high priestess thy faithful promise that her orders shall be surely and entirely obeyed thou art not wont and a pale sneer flitted over his features to set her mandate at defiance saluma bit his lips angrily and folded his arms above his head with a lazy yet impatient movement assuredly i shall be present at the service he said curtly there needed no such weighty summoning twas my intention to join the ranks of worshippers to-night though for myself i have no faith in worship the gods i ween are deaf and care not a jot whether we mortals weep or sing nevertheless i shall look on with fitting gravity and deport myself with due decorum throughout the ceremonious ritual though verily i tell thee reverend zell tis tedious and monotonous at best and concerning the poor maiden sacrifice it is a shuddering horror we could well dispense with i think not so replied the priest calmly thou who art well instructed in the capricious humours of men must surely know how dearly the majority of them love the shedding of blood tis a clamorous brute instinct in them which must be satisfied better therefore that we the anointed priests should slay one willing victim for the purposes of religion than that they the ignorant mob should kill a thousand to gratify their lust of murder 
an unresentful all-loving deity would be impossible of comprehension to a mutually hating and malignant race of beings all creeds must be accommodated to the dispositions of the million pardon me suddenly interrupted theos i am a stranger and in a great measure ignorant of this city's customs but i confess i am amazed to hear a priest uphold so specious an argument what must divine religion be dragged down from its pure throne to pander to the selfish passions of the multitude because men are vile must a vile god be invented to suit their savage caprices because men are so cruel must the unseen creator of things be delineated as even more barbarous than they in order to give them some pietistical excuse for wickedness i ask these questions not out of wanton curiosity but for the sake of instruction the haughty zeal turned upon him in severe astonishment sir he said stranger undoubtedly thou art and so bold a manner of speech most truly savours of the utterly uneducated western barbarian all wise and prudent governments have learned that a god fit for the adoration of men must be depicted as much like men as possible any absolutely superhuman attributes are unnecessary to the character of a useful deity inasmuch as no man ever will or ever can understand the worth of superhuman qualities humanity is only capable of worshipping self thus it is necessary that when people are persuaded to pay honour to an elected divinity they should be well and comfortably assured in their own minds that they are but offering homage to an image of self placed before them in a deified or heroic form this satisfies the natural idolatrous cravings of egotism and this is all that priests or teachers desire now in the worship of nagaya we have the natures of man and woman conjoined the snake is the emblem of male wisdom united with female subtlety and the two essences mingled in one make as near an approach to what we may imagine the positive divine capacity as can be devised on earth by earthly intelligences if on the other hand such an absurd doctrine as that formulated in the fanatic madman coast rules prophecy could be imagined as actually admitted and proclaimed to the nations it would have very few followers and the sincerity of those few might well be open to doubt for the deity it speaks of is supposed to be an immortal god disguised as man a god who voluntarily rejects and sets aside his own glory to serve and save his perishable creatures thus the root of that religion would consist in self-abnegation and self-abnegation is as experience proves utterly impossible to the human being why is it impossible asked theos with a quiver of passionate earnestness in his voice are there none in all the world who would sacrifice their own interests to further another's welfare and happiness the priest smiled a delicately derisive smile certainly not he replied blandly the very question strikes me as singularly foolish inasmuch as we live in a planet where if we do not serve ourselves and look after our own personal advantage we may as well die the minute we are born or better still never be born at all there is no one living at least not in the wide realm of alciris who would put himself to the smallest inconvenience for the sake of another were that other his nearest and dearest blood relation and in matters of love and friendship tis the same as in business each man eagerly pursues his own chance of enjoyment even when he loves or fancies he loves a woman it is solely because her beauty or attractiveness gives him temporary pleasure not because he has any tenderness or after-regard for the nature of her feelings how can it be otherwise we elect friends that are useful to us personally we care little for their intrinsic merit and we only tolerate them as long as they happen to suit our taste for generally on the first occasion of a disagreement or difference of opinion we shake ourselves free of them without either regret or remorse and seek others who will be meek enough not to offer us any open contradiction it is and it must be always so self is the first person we are bound to consider 
and all religions if they are intended to last must prudently recognize and silently acquiesce in this the chief dogma of man's constitution saluma laughed excellently argued the most politic zeal he exclaimed yet methinks it is easy to worship self without either consecrated altars or priestly assistance thou shouldst know better than any one with what facility such devotion can be practised returned zeal ironically rising as he spoke and beginning to wrap his mantle round him preparatory to departure thou hast a wider range of perpetual adoration than most men seeing thou dost so fully estimate the value of thine own genius some heretics there are in the city who say thy merit is but a trick of song shared by thee in common with the birds who truly seem to take no pride in the particular sweetness of their unsyllabled language but thou thyself art better instructed and who shall blame thee for the veneration with which thou dost daily contemplate thine own intellectual powers not i believe me and his crafty eyes glittered mockingly as he arranged his silver gauze muffler so that it entirely veiled the lower part of his features and though i do somewhat regret to learn that thou among other noblemen of fashion hast of late taken part in the atheistic discussions encouraged by the positivist school of thought still as a priest my duty is not so much to reproach as to call thee to repentance therefore i inwardly rejoice to know you wilt present thyself before the shrine to-night if only for the sake of custom only for the sake of custom repeated saluma amusedly nay good zell custom should be surely classified as an exceeding powerful god inasmuch as it rules all things from the cut of our clothes to the form of our creeds true replied zell imperturbably and he who despises custom becomes an alien from his kind a moral leper among the pure and clean oh say rather a lion among sheep a giant among pygmies laughed the laureate for by my soul a man who had the courage to scorn custom and set the small hypocrisies of society at defiance would be a glorious hero a warrior of strange integrity whom it would be well worth travelling miles to see coastrule was such an one interposed theo suddenly tush man coastrule was mad retorted saluma are not all men thought mad who speak the truth queried theos gently the priest zell looked at him with proud and supercilious eyes thou hast strange notions for one still young he said what art thou a new disciple of the mystics or a student of the positive doctrines theos met his gaze unflinchingly what am i he murmured sadly and his voice trembled reverend priest i am nothing great are the sufferings of men who have lost their wealth their home their friends but i have lost myself were i anything could i ever hope to be anything i would pray to be accepted a servant of the cross that far-off unknown faith to which my tired spirit clings as he uttered these words he raised his eyes how dim and misty at the moment seemed the tall white figure of the majestic zell and in contrast to it how brilliantly distinct saluma's radiant face appeared turned toward him in inquiring wonderment he felt a swooning dizziness upon him but the sensation swiftly passed and he saw the haughty priest's dark brows bent upon him in a frown of ominous disapproval tis well thou art not a citizen of alciris he said scornfully to strangers we accord a certain license of opinion but if thou wert a native of these realms thy speech would cost thee dear as it is i warn thee dare not to make public mention of the cross the accursed emblem of the dead coast rules idolatry guard thy tongue heedfully and thou solomon if thou dost bring this rashling with thee to the temple thou must take upon thyself all measures for his safety for in these days some words are like firebrands and he who casts them forth incautiously may kindle flames that only the forfeit of his life can quench there was a quiver of suppressed fury in his tone and saluma lifted his lazy lids and looked at him with an air of tranquil indifference prithee trouble not thyself most eminent zell he answered nonchalantly 
i will answer for my friend's discretion thou dost mistake his temperament he is a budding poet and utters many a disconnected thought which hath no meaning save to his own fancy swarming brain he saw the frantic coast will die and the picture hath impressed him for the moment nothing more i pledge my word for his demurest prudence at the service to-night i would not have him absent for the world twere pity he should miss the splendour of a scene which doubtless hath been admirably contrived by priestly art and skill to play upon the passions of the multitude tell me goodzell what is the name of the self-offered victim the priest flashed a strangely malevolent glance at him tis not to be divulged he replied curtly the virgin is no longer counted among the living she is as one already departed the name she bore hath been erased from the city registers and she wears instead the prouder title of bride of the sun and nagaya restrain thy curiosity until night hath fallen it may be that thou who hast a wide acquaintance among fair maidens wilt recognize her countenance nay i trust i know her not said saluma carelessly for though all women die for me when once their beauty fades still am i loath to see them perish ere their prime yet many are doomed to perish so rejoined the priest impassively men as well as women and methinks those who are best beloved of the gods are chosen first to die death is not difficult but to live long enough for life to lose all savour and love all charm this is a bitterness that comes with years and cannot be consoled and retreating slowly toward the door he paused as he had previously done on the threshold farewell saluma he said beware that nothing hinders thee from the fulfilment of thy promise and let thy homage to the holy maid be reverent at the parting of the silver veil he waited but saluma made no answer he therefore raised his staff and described a circle with it in the same solemn fashion that had distinguished his entrance by the coming forth of the moon through the ways of darkness by the shining of stars by the sleeping sun and the silence of night by the all-seeing eye of raphon and the wisdom of nagaya may the protection of the gods abide in this house for ever as he pronounced these words he noiselessly departed without any salutation whatever to saluma who heaved a sigh of relief when he had gone and rising from his couch came and placed one hand affectionately on theos's shoulder thou foolish yet dear comrade he murmured what moves thee to blurt forth such strange and unwarrantable sayings why wouldst thou pray to be a servant of the cross or why at any rate if thou hast taken a fancy for the dead coastal's new doctrine wert thou so rash as to proclaim thy sentiment to yon unprincipled bloodthirsty zell who would not scruple to poison the king himself if his majesty gave sufficient cause of offence dost thou desire to be straightway slain nay i will not have thee run thus furiously into danger thou wilt be offered the silver nectar like nergalus and not even the intercession of my friendship would avail to save thee then theo smiled rather sadly and thus would end forever my mistakes and follies he answered softly and i should perchance discover the small hidden secret of things the little simple unguessed clue that would unravel the mystery and meaning of existence for can it be that the majestic marvel of created nature is purposeless in its design that we are doomed to think thoughts which can never be realized to dream dreams that perish in the dreaming to build up hopes without foundation to call upon god when there is no god to long for heaven when there is no heaven ah no saluma surely we are not the mere fools and dupes of time surely there is some eternal beyond which is not annihilation some greater vaster sphere of soul development where we shall find all that we have missed on earth saluma's face clouded and a sigh escaped him i would my thoughts were similar to thine he said sorrowfully i would i could believe in an immortal destiny but alas my friend there is no shadow of ground for such a happy faith none neither in sense nor science i have reflected on it many a time till i have wearied myself with mournful musing 
and the end of all my meditation has been a useless protest against the great inevitable a clamour of disdain hurled at the huge blind indifferent force that poisons the deep sea of space with an ever-productive spawn of wasted life anon i have flouted my own despair and have consoled myself with the old wise maxim that was found inscribed on the statue of a smiling god some centuries ago enjoy your lives ye passing tribes of men take pleasure in folly for this is the only wisdom that avails happy is he whose days are filled with the delight of love and laughter for there is nothing better found on earth and whatsoever ye do whether wise or foolish the same end comes to all is not this true philosophy my theos what can a man do better than enjoy much depends on the particular form of enjoyment responded theos thoughtfully some there are for example who might find their greatest satisfaction in the pleasures of the table others in the gratification of sensual desires and gross appetites are these to be left to follow their own devices without any effort being made to raise them from the brute level where they lie why in the name of all the gods should they be raised demanded saluma impatiently if their choice is to grovel admire why ask them to dwell in a palace they would not appreciate the change again went on theos there are others who are only happy in the pursuit of wisdom and the more they learn the more they seek to know one wonders one cannot help wondering are their aspirations all in vain and will the grave seal down their hopes for ever saluma paused a moment before replying it seems so he said at last slowly and hesitatingly and herein i find the injustice of the matter because however great may be the imagination and fervour of a poet for instance he never is able wholly to utter his thoughts half of them remain in embryo like buds of flowers that never come to bloom yet they are there burning in the brain and seeming too vast of conception to syllable themselves into the common speech of mortals i have often marvelled why such ideas suggest themselves at all as they can neither be written nor spoken unless and here his voice sank into a dreamy softness unless indeed they are to be received as hints foreshadowings of greater works destined for our accomplishment hereafter he was silent a minute's space and theos watching him wistfully suddenly asked wouldst thou be willing to live again saluma if such a thing could be friend i would rather never die responded the laureate half playfully half seriously but if i were certain that death was no more than a sleep from which i should assuredly awaken to another phase of existence i know well enough what i should do what questioned theos his heart beginning to beat with an almost insufferable anxiety i would live a different life now answered saluma steadily looking his companion full in the eyes as he spoke while a grave smile shattered rather than lightened his features i would begin at once so that when the new future dawned for me i might not be haunted or tortured by the remembrance of a misspent past for if we are to believe in any everlasting things at all we cannot shut out the fatal everlastingness of memory his words sounded unlike himself his voice was as the voice of some reproving angel speaking and theos listening shuddered he knew not why and held his peace never to be able to forget continued saluma in the same grave sweet tone never to lose sight of one's own bygone wilful sins this will be an immortal destiny too terrible to endure for then inexorable retrospection would forever show us where we had missed the way and how we had failed to use the chances given us moreover we might happily find ourselves surrounded and his accents grew slower and more emphatic by strange phantoms of our own creating who would act anew the drama of our obstinate past follies perplexing us thereby into an anguish greater than mortal fancy can depict thus if we indeed possess the positive foreknowledge of the eternal regeneration of our lives it would be well to free them from all hindrance to perfection here here while we are still conscious of time and opportunity he paused then went on in his customary gay manner 
but fortunately we are not positive nothing is certain no truth is so satisfactorily demonstrated that some wiseacre cannot be found to disprove it hence it happens my friend and his face assumed its wonted careless expression that we men whose common sense is offended by priestly hypocrisy and occult necromantic jugglery we who perhaps in our innermost heart of hearts ardently desire to believe in a supreme divinity and the grandly progressive sublime intention of the universe but who discovering naught but ignoble cant and imposture everywhere are incontinently thrown back on our own resources hence it comes i say that we are satisfied to accept ourselves each man in his own personality as the beginning and end of existence and to minister to that absolute self which after all concerns us most and which will continue to engage our best service until well until history can show us a perfectly selfless example which if human nature remains consistent with its own traditions will assuredly never be this was almost more than theos could bear there was a tightening agony at his heart that made him long to cry out to weep or better still to fling himself on his knees and pray pray to that far removed mild presence that selfless example who he knew had hallowed and dignified the world and yet whose holy and beloved name he miserable sinner was unworthy to even remember his suffering at the moment was so intense that he fancied some reflection of it must be visible in his face saluma however apparently saw nothing he stepped across the room and out to the vine-shaded loggia where he turned and beckoned his companion to his side come he said pushing his hair off his brows with a languid gesture the afternoon wears onward and the very heavens seem to smoke with heat let us seek cooler air beneath the shade of yonder cypresses whose dark green boughs shut out the glaring sky we'll talk of love and poesy and tender things till sunset i will recite to thee a ballad of mine that nephrata loved tis called an idol of roses and it will lighten this hot and heavy silence when even birds sleep and butterflies drowse in the hollowed shelter of the arum leaves come wilt thou to-night perchance we shall have little time for pleasant discourse as he spoke theos obediently went toward him with the dazed sensations of one under the influence of mesmerism the dazzling face and luminous eyes of the laureate exercised over him an indescribable yet resistless authority and it was certain that wherever saluma led the way he was bound to follow only as he mechanically descended from the terrace into the garden and linked his arm within that of his companion he was conscious of a vague feeling of pity for himself pity that he should have dwindled into such a nonentity when saluma was so renowned a celebrity pity too that he should have somehow never been able to devise anything original in the art of poetry this last was evident for he knew already that the idol of roses saluma proposed reciting could be no other than what he had fancied was his idol of roses a poem he had composed or rather had plagiarized in some mysterious fashion before he had even dreamt of the design of nur halma however he had become in part resigned to the peculiar position he occupied he was just a little sorry for himself and that was all even as the parted spirit of a dead man might hover ruthfully above the grave of its perished mortal body so he compassionated his own forlorn estate and heaved a passing sigh of regret not only for all he once had been but also for all he could never be End of chapter twenty six